0: Well, today's topic oops, is Operation Liberation, Setting the Captives Free. And uh, today we're going to talk about evangelism. And listen, it's, you're not getting a great evangelist to teach you about evangelism today. Something that I struggle with. Something that I know God's given me the tools and everything I need to be successful at setting the captives free. And yet, uh, I stand here today and say that I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a good evangelist, that I have not answered the call the way that I should. Um, and so even in, in the beginning, uh, admitting that to you and hoping that you know that we have a lot of room to grow. We have a long way to go, especially in my own walk. I know that this is an area of great weakness. Um, it's not that I don't know what to do or how to do it or even what I should be doing. Um, it's that I, I don't. And so as we look at that today, we need to, to let God push us today. So let's pray. Father, I'm really thankful for this church. I'm really thankful that um, I have brothers and sisters here that have decided to to take seriously what Your Word says. And God, I appreciate that um, people here, we, we don't just want to... Um, stay the same in fact that that makes us frustrated when we're, we're just kind of going as, as is and, and not not changing um, but we want to be more like you we want to be more like your son Jesus um, we, we've just been shown an enormous amount of grace an enormous amount of mercy uh, we didn't deserve it we still don't deserve it there's nothing we could ever do to deserve it we um, and yet, God, because of that grace, we want our heart's response to be uh, obedience to You and to, be, um, to become disciples of You, to be people that are in love with You and, and let that show. Pray, God, today that You'd give energy and uh, give Your words, that Your Spirit would um, talk to our hearts and, and would open our hearts, would um, take away any of the stubbornness and, and the fear that we feel. Especially in regards to evangelism, it's a, it's a scary thought, and so I pray God that you would, um, just go before us, that you would be here with us, that we would acknowledge you and acknowledge what you're trying to say, and I pray that you would help us hear your words clearly. I pray this in your name, Amen. All right, evangelism, along with the war theme, operation liberation, setting the captives free. Um, I touched on it last time we were together. Um, but I want us to get a clear picture of, of what we are saying when we say we're at war. Because I think, uh, especially in, in regards to evangelism, it becomes very important that we have the right perspective of what we're at war against. Uh, here's a, been our, theme so- our theme song. Yeah, theme verse. Let's read that. We'll sing it together. It says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier... Since active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that I may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Suffer hardships with me. I want to present to you that the idea of evangelism really freaks me out. It's one thing for me to know that I have this relationship with Jesus and to know that it's the most important thing in my life to know that it's supposed to touch absolutely everything I do and affect everything I say and and every moment of every day, it's one thing for me to know that. (laughs) It's another thing for me to be willing to let other people know that. And uh, there is incredible fear in our hearts um, that comes when we, we start to think of the rejection that might come when other people know that we're Christ followers, that we've made a decision to follow Jesus. Because if you look in our society, the name of Jesus is not honored. In fact, it's kind of more of a joke, isn't it? And we've had, as Christians, um, in fact, we were just talking about last night, the guy that keeps predicting the rapture and then says, whoops, had a few mathematical equations off, you know, and October, here it comes! You know, that things like that are, gives us a bad name, doesn't it? And uh, the, crusade, the crusades didn't help us. But uh, different things that we do where we've... Christians often are the biggest hurdle for other people to come to Christ, aren't they? And uh, we have to overcome that. And so in knowing that, knowing the way that people perceive Christians, oh, you judgmental jerks, you don't even have a clue. You know that, That's honest, that's, that's really what they're thinking. Then it becomes scary, doesn't it, to share this light that's inside of us because there's this fear of rejection. I'm such a sissy that the idea of you guys not liking me upsets me, all right? And so I'm a people pleaser, and so I will do things to make sure that you, you do like me, you know? And the idea of saying something to someone that would offend them or saying something that might create an awkward situation, uh, that's hard. And if we're honest, um, a lot of us can't, can't get past that. A lot of us are stuck on that, in that fear, And when Jesus says, suffer hardship with me, we're not under the physical persecution um, that the early church was under, were they? Are we? Um, But we do suffer hardship. There is a, um, I remember in high school, an isolation um, feeling, a feeling of of being alone, a feeling of of feeling real lame um, when it was my time to make sure I took a stand for the name of Jesus. Um, it is a hard thing. And there is there is consequences and there is suffering involved when we take a stand for the name of Jesus, when we proclaim ourselves to be Christ's followers. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about that a little bit. This is one of the coolest pictures. Um, this is a, a picture that was used. It's from the war in Iraq in 2003. And this picture was actually plastered everywhere by the United States, kind of a... Um, hey, you know a kind of a for the critics of the war, I believe this was a picture that was used to to let them know, listen, we are accomplishing uh great things. we are doing worthwhile things and it's a picture of a soldier um he's got some Rex specs going there, and he is carrying out a a child out of a war zone, carrying a child into safety. a child that had no no future was in imminent danger, sitting where they were. And this soldier risking his life picks up that kid and starts sprinting across the war zone to get him out of, out of that area. Um, so we need to be really careful when we kind of look at, at who we're at war against. We have our theme, we're at war. We are at war, but we're not against war. or We're not against, what did I write? Maybe I should read it. We're at war, but not against everyone. And Maybe that was even a stupid way of saying it. We're at war, but not against anyone. No, I don't know. The bottom. The world, the flesh, and the devil, we're at war against. We're not at war against people. That is not what we've been called to. Um, and I'll, I'll try to explain, and it's going well so far. I'll try to explain here, here what I mean. The world. When we say the world, well, we're not, we're not at war against the people that live in the world now because if we clear see it if we re- we read that the words of the song that we just sang we we learn about Jesus showing grace and mercy to people and and how much he loved people and when he came to the earth he was not at war against people in fact quite to the contrary you see him going out to get people to rescue people to call them back to himself And so, when we say the world, we're talking about the mindset or the the ideals that are against uh, God's truth. That's what we're at war against. We're at war against the flesh, the very uh, part of us that is unredeemed, the the very part of us that that uh, currently is not in line with God, the selfishness that exists in us. We're at war against that, and we battle that every day. And lastly, we're at war against the devil. And He is here on earth and He is active and He wants to see the destruction of people. He hates people. Christians aren't supposed to hate people. The devil hates people. God loves people. So I want us to be very clear because when we say we're at war, I just don't want us to misunderstand. And the reason I say this is because if you go into a, a local church or any church and you start hearing people talk, they'll start talking about the homosexuals. They'll start talking about um, people that you know, are, are living in sin and, and committing adultery. And you get this real distinct sense that, that they hate those people. That they're not, they're not against the ideology or the world or those, those ideas that are contrary to God's Word, but they actually hate those people. And that is not what God has called us to. Do you understand what I'm saying in that? And there's a huge difference because we can slip into that too. We have been shown great mercy and an incredible amount of grace. And sometimes it's amazing how quickly we forget who we were before Jesus bought us back. And even to tell you the truth, if you knew who I am even now in my struggles, boy, I can quickly forget who I am now and what I struggle against uh, when, I, when I think about people. And we need to change our mindset on that. When we talk about um, evangelism and, and we need to view it as, boy, there are people out there that God loves that need to be brought back. And we need to start viewing people the way that God viewed people. Clear as mud. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, 20-21 says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are those that speak the name of Jesus, the good news. And we say, listen, come back. you got to understand, we have something here that you need. We have something that is so good and so real and is the answer to you. is the answer to your hurts. It's the answer to your pains. It's the answer to your sin problem. There is a way to be made right with God. And that's our role, is to call a hurting world back to Himself. Acts 1, 7-8 says this, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be My witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. About 2,000 years ago, uh, the early church was, was sitting around. They weren't the church quite yet. And the Holy Spirit came down from heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, thousands were saved. And the church started. And the church at that point was created so that it could be a representative of who God was to the rest of the world. An unbelievable calling. A huge calling. And the Holy Spirit was given into the lives of each believer so that God could actually live within us. Those that have placed their faith in Jesus for salvation actually they have the Holy Spirit living within us. And so that each believer, in theory, should be a clear witness. What is a witness? Who's got a good description or definition of a witness for me? Ooh, I like it. That was really good. An individual that sees something important happen and testifies to it. What are what are some of the different ways you can be a, a, a witness? Is, is it always have to be in what you say? Is there other ways? The lifestyle. lifestyle. And we'll talk about that because it's important. Sometimes we, we overlook that, but that's right. Uh, God has called us to be a witness. And today, as you can see, we're, we're going to we're going to go through and we'll get, we're going to get real practical here in a second and we're going to be talking amongst each other on on different ideas and we'll talk a little bit about what has been, I don't know if it's been the unspoken focus of kind of evangelism through the Great Adventure and kind of how we we view it and maybe I'll say things that will upset you and you'll disagree, that'll be fun because then you'll, you'll go and you'll have to talk through it and see what you really believe and that's always good so be ready for that. All right. We have been called to win back people to Jesus. That's, that's our command. There's clear authority in Scripture that, that part of our role is to make sure that we are actively seeking others to come to Jesus. Testimonies are cool around a campfire at camps. It's really fun, especially in the grade school camps when you hear the little kids talking. They got saved the la- I got saved at camp the last three years. And this year, I mean it. But it's exciting, isn't it? To to hear them talk about the decision that they made that week at camp to follow Jesus, isn't it? And you just you get you start getting excited. God, you're working. And that little kid uh, was headed for from eternity in separation from you, and you, yet you grabbed their life and, and you took them back to yourself and. To be a part of that and and to watch that and to witness that is is an exciting thing. And we need to jump out of... um, I don't know what the word is. What's the word when you're stuck in, in one place? Mediocrity or stagnant? I like that word. What's some other adjectives? Complacency, stagnant. We need to jump out of that. We need to become intentional. We need to understand the importance of this call. And life gets so crazy and so busy. You lock your keys out of your car when you're supposed to come and speak at church. (laughs) And you forget. You start to misinterpret what we're here for. You start to miss the importance and the opportunity you have to change someone's eternity. And we need to today, uh, before the Lord, take the call seriously. All right, let's take our people test. So, everyone, you now don't cheat with your neighbor. Here we go. Score yourself on a range from 1 to 10. How much do you, give yourself a numerical number, and it's always the first number that pops in your head, that's the most honest. Don't try to cheat. How much do you love people? 1 to 10. Got it? Everyone completed the assignment? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? All right, you don't have to share. How much do you love people on a scale from 1 to 10? All right, now let's take the test for God. Everyone ready? How does he score? Pretty well. For grading on the curve. He's a 10, right? He's a 10. See, God's whole plan throughout um, the history of the universe has been about people, hasn't it? And uh, He has shown enormous grace to the people that He created. You know the story, and you almost know it too well because then it becomes that word stagnant, like we said before, or complacent to the idea. But He loved people so much that He took His own Son and He gave Him away. He gave him away so that he could go and bring back a world back to himself. See, he loves people. You start looking at the Lord Jesus' ministry, and you start realizing that he goes against kind of what what we do in uh, in the local churches today, doesn't he? When when he went and started telling people about Jesus, about himself and about God. Who are some of the unique characters that Jesus? Um, one back to himself that we see convert back to Jesus. What are what are some of the characteristics that we see in it? Any ideas of some people? Woman at, well. a woman at the well. She was a class individual, right? Had it together. <laughs> Outstanding moral, moral character, right? No. What was her story? Uh, she had many, husbands. many husbands that weren't her husbands, weren't her husbands. <laughs> and she was looking for love in all the wrong places, right? <laughs> And Jesus came and said, Here I am. You don't need anything else but me. <laughs> what did He say about the water? He said something pretty cool about the water. Anyone know what He said about the water when He offered it? Give her, uh, that, hmm. that was significant, wasn't He? Another one. Because He only went to the best of the best, right? Let, okay, well, who else did, did Jesus target in His ministry on earth? Who else... Uh, Did he go to? Who? Paul. Paul. He was a good guy, right? Fervent? (laughs) Devoted? What was Paul doing at the time that Jesus got a hold of him? Killing Christians. He was on a major mission to annihilate uh, the Christian population, to beat them into submission. Um, He was on the same level as Hitler with the Jews at that point. Uh, in his mindset, he needed to terminate the Christian population at that time. We need to take that. We need to. whoa you can't say Hitler. We need to take a step back and understand that was that was the position of where Paul was, and yet a God who loves people radically changed Paul. Paul did some good things for Jesus. Anyone else? Zacchaeus, wee little man. <laughs> What was Zacchaeus' story? Tax collector. Tax collector. Fair guy? <laughs> no. Understand that Zacchaeus was a, a swindler and incredibly, um, man, I can't even, incredibly greedy and unfair. And uh, he gets curious about Jesus because he had heard from him. So he climbs up into a sycamore tree, which I still haven't seen a sycamore tree, so I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's some sort of tree. And he looks down and Jesus, Jesus notices him there. And he calls him out. Can you imagine? There's a crowd in Zacchaeus. He's behind all these bushes just looking through these leaves thinking, okay, who is this guy? And all of a sudden, Jesus is even looking at all of a sudden, Zacchaeus! <laughs> you come down! I'm going to your house today! And he calls out Zacchaeus. And what's the story of Zacchaeus? It's a redemptive story. Because then we see Zacchaeus turn and give his life to Jesus and he becomes a generous man. See, the whole point in bringing these stories up and if you go through the Gospel, you understand that he did not focus on the people that seemed to have it together or the people that really seemed to be the class of the, the country. He went to those that were in most need of him, didn't they? And He was faithful to the unlovely because He loves people. If your people scale was not a 10, which mine was not, we've got to change it. We've got to start loving people more because that's what God did. People are what matters most to God. What are a growing oh I cheated already? What are a growing Christ followers supposed to look like? what are some of the main attributes that they display? So I was supposed to bullet point like fly in, you know, so you weren't supposed to see that bottom part yet. But those are the fruits of the spirit, aren't they? The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. That's what a Christ follower is supposed to look like. And the closer that a Christ follower gets to the Lord Jesus in their relationship, the more that these qualities are supposed to exude out of who they are. The more that this is supposed to be an expression in their life. This just becomes what they're about. It's amazing that that love is where it starts, isn't it? It's the first one that's listed. And for those of us that are taking seriously this call to be like Jesus, to become, be disciples, who are those that follow after Jesus, our love has to start to look like His love. And our joy has to start to look like His joy. It's too important. If, if we waste time, if we, if we don't focus on the importance of, of, of growing closer to Jesus, of, of becoming one with Him, Abiding in Him and and taking every source of strength from Him, we'll miss out on our calling in this world. This was a um, a graph that I got from this book. It's called Walk Across the Room. A really, really neat book. Um, If you want to borrow my copy, you certainly can. Uh, Come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to give it out. My parents have copies. Um, Katie and Christie have copies. Katie and Christie actually gave it to us all in in, in a gift, but. Bill Heibel is the founding pastor of, uh, oh man, what's the church? The big one in the Chicago area. Willow Creek. Willow Creek. Is that tape? See, of <laughs> uh, Willow Creek Church. And uh, he, he wrote a book about, um, just we make it too, too difficult sometimes to reach out to people. So the title of his book was Just Walk Across the Room. And it's an idea of relational evangelism. Of Loving on people and, and investing in people and just doing what's right for people and, and the fruit that comes from that. But in his book, he uh, pointed out this graph. And over on the left, that is the scale of, of a Christian's love. All right? This is what it's supposed to look like. And this in the bottom is years that person has been a Christ follower. All right, And so the idea is that you get saved. You make a, a decision to follow after Christ. You, under, you ask Him to forgive your sins. You tell Him that, that you, you want to be His disciple. You want to uh, follow after Him. And we see that, that you have, and, and I don't know, this is just a, a, a graph, so let's not get too caught up, but the idea you see is the more years of a Christian that is faithfully seeking after the Lord Jesus in their the walk with the Lord will continue to grow in their love. And he did it I, I should I wasn't able to do I wasn't smart enough to figure out how to create the graph. But he put some different points in there that were important. So the first one was that, that we accept grace and then we, we recognize our gifts and we start to use our gifts as to serve, and then we continue to, to learn to focus on people and then finally we just start to, to spread God's grace to, to everyone. And and God's love is is just abundantly flowing out of who we are. And that was the ideal uh, picture of what the 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 person who follows after Christ is supposed to look like. This continued growing in their love for the Lord and therefore this love that spreads to other people. This was another graph from it. This was the life cycle of most Christ followers in regards to their interaction with people that are far from God. This was really interesting. A person that just accepts the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And this, uh, and we'll have to trust them. This is according to studies and research that they put together. And their first year usually has about 20 people that they have close relationships with that are far from, from the Lord Jesus. Two years, it drops to 15. Three years, it drops to 10. And these are people they still may know them, but this is actually close relationships, close bonds with people who are not walking closely with the Lord, and obviously this is an average, you go down to four years and you're down to, to about just a handful of people. And he said it's amazing that people, that the longer they know Jesus, the more uh, smaller and smaller their circle of influence becomes. And all of a sudden, you don't see a Christian person outside of anywhere that's not a Christian event or Christian uh, function. And so you'll see them at at, uh, church. You'll see them maybe even at church softball. But other than that, uh, their circle of influence has been scaled down in such a way that they are no longer influencing those people no longer have relationships or interaction with people that are far from God. You see, there's a problem with that, isn't there? Because we looked at the first scale of what the ideal is, where you become just this massive ball of God's love (laughs) exploding out everywhere you go just because you're so in love with God that it's all you can do. To keep it in, to the reality of what happens is someone at the beginning that has all these interactions, and you find that with people that have just come to know Jesus, it's amazing. They are gung ho. And sometimes we, we get excited about the passion that they bring. Listen, you don't know, I just found Jesus. You need, you need to know Jesus too. And if you ever, it, there is something so refreshing to someone that is new to the faith that has just such a, a fresh perspective on it. And I think you can relate, you know what I'm talking about, how exciting it is to see them. And one, you just see them grow in leaps and bounds, and you just see them so excited about the Lord that it's just contagious. But there's something so backwards about that, isn't there? That those people that have known Jesus just for a day or two are more passionate about the good news than I am, someone that's known him for over 20 years. It's crazy, right? There's something wrong with my walk. There's something broken with my view of God and what He wants for my life. And somehow I've got to change it. Because if I'm called to Operation Liberation to set the captives free, but I don't know any captives... All right, let's talk strategy. And this, uh, this, okay. Let, let's do this first. What are some different um, tactics, if you will? That's we're using military terms, tactics that are employed in the uh, in evangelism. We'll just say it that way. we're using a lot of church words, but. Um, the tactics employed in evangelism. What are some different ways that people evangelize? Or, or when we say evangelize, spread the news about Jesus. Spread the news about God's love for them. What are some of the different ways we see that done? Sean. A bad oh, I'll let you hold on to the bad example. We don't want to get too discouraged too fast. We're just doing that discouraging stuff. So wait, okay. Aaron. So just someone you meet at work, a coworker that you end up having a conversation about the Lord with, all right? Apologetics. Apologetics. You have someone that that likes to think and likes to debate and likes to talk, and, and maybe you can, in a respectful way, that we get in trouble with that a lot. Maybe you can and say, listen, there really isn't that far fetched to believe in God, and here's why. It's excellent. Anybody heard of Vacation Bible School? Awesome. Any others? Mission trips. neighbors Ooh. I like it. You're stealing my thunder, but I like it. Being people need it. Huh. What are some other ways that we see evangelism? I saw this guy in Chicago that said uh, the world is ending. He had a big poster board. and he was, When I was there for my business trip, he had a big poster board. He was standing on, uh, it was like a w- basket of some sort. What are the plastic ones? You used to put milk, milk carton. <sighs> Who am I? I can't even think of it. And he was standing on it and he was telling everyone they were going to hell. And that was, that was his evangelism. And that was street... Uh, well, was. <laughs> Angry street evangelism, yeah. And that was one way. Correspondence courses. Cool. Passing out tracks. Cool. I like it, Michaela. That, um, let me talk about that um, prison evangelism real quick and then we'll. We'll talk about, um, we'll go on, but there are men in prison that are getting saved at high rates. And those are the unlovelies. Those are the men that, that are desperate. We were talking about it actually with Jason and, and Neil and I right before uh, we came up here about how hard it is to convince people that think they have it all together that they're missing something there's a lot of really nice people out there that do really nice things for their neighbors and their family and they they have happy lives and they're content they have nice jobs they they're not you know just as kind as can be and why is there anything harder than to convince someone like this listen you have a hole in your heart there's a great chasm between, between you and and the god who loves you that is a a huge huge chore and uh Prison ministry is just a fantastic thing because these are men that understand like the um, the thief on the cross, that they're in trouble that they are desperate and without hope, and someone comes in and says, Listen, there is hope now, when I did this, when I did this, I did that no, no, that's not the truth, this is the truth, there is hope." Because Jesus paid it all that's a powerful thing, and men get saved in prison. It's an exciting thing. well the strategy of uh, great adventure and the evangelism that we've um, used and you, you can correct me I'm not and I'm not even saying I't know I'll, I'll just say it we have been primarily focused on, on relationship evangelism, and it's this concept of Loving people so much that you actually become friends with (laughs) them—crazy as it may seem. Yeah, it's wild. It's out there, and you begin to become love on people the way Jesus loved on them. And so uh, you you start to we first just start in the places where you you meet people in, and at work, you know, your coworkers, you, you start to form friendships with them. And and you become intentional in showing them love, and and we've been real clear and and uh, that you never you never want to treat someone like they're some project, because then then you lose the focus of who they are. They're actually an, an eternal being um, that is made in the image of God. They're not a project. And uh, there's so many examples of people in our church that that have done this and and have been powerful with it. Matthew um, used to what was the name of the store you worked at? Hot Topic. He took a lot of heat for that because it's like a teeny bopper store. It was really great. <laughs> and Matthew used to work at Hot Topic and, and when he worked at Hot Topic, he was intentional about creating relationships with the people he worked with. And he became friends with them, right? And it wasn't, um, he started loving them not, not because uh, he had some you know, mischievous end game. You know, manipulative. Well, we just started by loving people, and that's where we need to start. And we need to start building these relationships and becoming intentional, and in, in growing these relationships with people, and learning how to take care of them, learning how to love them, learning how to serve them. And a lot of you said that, in and what they, what you said, especially in the United States where, where we have it set up, where many people are in this place where, you know, life's not that bad. Um, boy, there's no better way um, than to, to be able to share your life with them. Because at, at some point, um, if you're living the way that God wants you to live, they're going to see a difference. So that would be uh, lifestyle evangelism. And in his book, again, I'm plugging it because I think it's just so it's so simple and it, it's, it's uh, really refreshing. If you want to borrow this copy or get a hold of it, probably go on Amazon for about five bucks. I'm sure there's a paperback. Uh, is the concept of just being intentional and in creating relationships. I have people that that I know right now at work. I have people that I know them by name. and, and uh, But what's sad is just a few months ago I had people at work that I was really, really close friends with and uh, would call up just to do things and just to hang out and just to to have relationships with them, you know. And somewhere along the line between busyness and craziness, um, boy, I just became hands off and I still really care about them and they really care about me and that's good and I think we will be able to, to pick up friendships with people again. Um, but somewhere along the line, I, you lose contact and you lose focus on what you're supposed to be doing, you know. And these people who I care about, they don't know Jesus. And they don't know the hope that that he offers them, and it's pretty clear to me that God wants me to be the one to tell them the good news and so I need to be intentional about uh picking those relationships back up I'd encourage you to uh to do the same Let's get creative boy we just we we're living in that place, aren't we where we just don't know very many people that are unbelievers, and uh we need to to start figuring out ways that we can meet people and start relationships and friendships with them and help them and show them God's love. It's amazing. Uh, the truth of who God is and, and His Word will radically transform any situation. It really can. If we believe God who is who He said He was and that He can heal the wounds of broken people, then we have to be willing to bring the good news to Him, don't we? This is important. When the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is called the Great What. That's it. You know, we've we tagged it as the Great Commission. This is Jesus telling his disciples, people that will follow him. Listen, you got a job to do. Until I return, your job is to go tell people about me. I point. I highlighted two words in that because when. When people look at the Great Commission, sometimes they get really confused about what Jesus is actually asking people. You see, Jesus is not asking go and make converts of everyone. Go and make sure that everyone uh, makes a, a, a verbal decision, you know, or a verbal uh, proclamation, and then and then you're good. Then you can hands off. We're going on. No, Jesus has called us to more than that, hasn't he? That word disciples really changes. What evangelism is all about. You see, we're not looking for converts. We're not looking for someone that um, proclaims that, yeah, I I, want to be saved, and then and then walks away because they have no connection. Jesus was calling people to be made into disciples. What are some characteristics of his disciples that we see in Scripture? What are some of the things we see that made them disciples? They followed him around. They carried out his word. They carried out his word. They believed. They believed in him. They were rooted in his word. They knew, knew his word. They knew, okay, knew his truth. Hmm. And they failed. <laughs> they still had of issues. Yeah, they had major issues. Major issues. And they were some gruff dudes. And uh, we watch the struggle through the Gospels. We read the struggles of the disciples following after Jesus. And they're not perfect. And the uh, uh, funny thing is that, that makes them even easier to relate to people, doesn't it? And the sooner that we can can take off the the good-looking facade that we try to put on and just be honest with people, listen, I don't got it all together. I'm really struggling, but you know what? I do have a hope. I have one thing in my life that is consistent and true, uh, and His name is Jesus. Boy, the, the quicker we can do that, we will be effective. The reason I bring this up, though is um, Billy Graham and he is uh, don't, please, I'm not bashing Billy Graham. I don't want you to hear me saying that, because he has done amazing things, and, and many people have come to the Lord through that. But the struggle I had with the Billy Graham, Chris, I've been to two of them, and I just watched floods of people, and it was exciting, to see people go and make uh, a statement that they wanted to be saved. And it was awesome. But then as those people were walking away, and it was neat because they the people there, they gave them some pamphlets, they gave them some resources, so they did make an attempt to, to, you know, but I was just thinking about those people that are then, okay, they go down and they make this this statement, yeah, Jesus, I choose you. Save me, please. And then you watch them walk back to their seats. And you just I just started thinking about all those people and what they were going back to and the fact that they had zero other people to invest in them about the Lord Jesus. And I was just thinking, boy, that is scary. Because we're not made to do it on our own, are we? And so, the idea of... And, and like I said, I think He's done wonderful things and God's used Him and, and people have come to know Him and had their eternities... or come to know God and, and had their eternities changed through the ministry of Billy Graham. But... Um, there's something broken about it when um, those people are now left to go um, on their own. And so I think that's one reason why, and this will be where you can disagree, and that's that's good, that's fine, I want to light a fire, that'll be good. That's why I think it's just so important that, we, that evangelism is done inside of a relationship because it's more than just trying to get someone to say the right thing. It is about um, taking someone... Who is, who is dead in sin, and turning them into a, a genuine Christ follower who loves and breathes who God is. Um, and that is a, a, a radical thing. We read that verse about the Holy Spirit um, coming upon them on the day of Pentecost. That is just the main thing there, is that uh, evangelism boy, we just do not have the power to change hearts. Jason and Neil and I were talking about that as well. We have zero opportunity to to change someone's heart for them. We can do everything we can. We can uh, do all things that are good, but until the Holy Spirit says um, to that individual, open up your heart to me, and, and until the Holy Spirit changes that person's heart and softens that heart, we can't do anything. So there is an enormous amount of prayer that needs to go with it. I knew it would be like this where we did not it wasn't a real concrete, straightforward message today, and I'm sorry about that, but I hope that at least I can um, start us thinking and start us focusing and understanding. We have, because um, the dis- discussion is not over today, we've by no means solved everything or hit on everything, but just a few thoughts at least um, to get us thinking that we need to be outwardly focused we have to be more intentional because the good news is too good to keep to ourselves and uh, we can't do it in our own strength. Philippians 2, 4-5 says this, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before You today and understand that You are the source of life that you are the source of everything that is good and right. And God, there is a world out there that is broken. And God, they are so hurt. They are lost. They are frustrated. They're angry. They feel forsaken and they feel no hope. They cannot figure things out. They don't have the ability to see clearly what's going on. And God, that was us just a short time ago. And yet by Your grace, You came and You changed our hearts. You came and You opened up our hearts to see You. It was all You. You gave the faith. You, you gave everything so that we could trust You, God. And we are praying now that You will use us to bring Your good news to that world. God, I pray that even, even we'd start with just one person that we would love enough to show you to them. God, I pray that it wouldn't be difficult to show you. I pray that it would. we would be so in love with you that, that our actions and our, our characteristics and who we are and how we treated each other and treated our kids and our spouses, that that would just scream so loud to your merit and to your worth that, that we wouldn't have to hardly say anything. And God, also I pray that You would get us past the fear of rejection or the fear of, uh, of persecution. It's so easy to, to compromise because we don't want to be seen as different. And I don't get, I don't get that, but um, that's where I am. And so I pray that You would change me on that. God, we'd ask that You would just radically um, change our mindset to think the way You think and to view people the way You view people. Help us as we go forward, God. We just really want to love people. We want to see people come to know You, Jesus. We want that to be the cry of this church to see people come to the good news and have their eternities change forever. I pray You'd give us perspective on that in Your name. Amen.